I'm afraid for tomorrow's church to the extent that we've become so contemporized that we have forgotten why we do what we do. Can we say that? Yeah. We do. We've forgotten. And so I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to regress a little bit this morning um, to kind of set up just the one thing that I want to share with you. And I'm going to be in these three passages of scripture for the next three weeks, but but I just want to go back um, because I remember when. Are you with me? Come on, y'all. It's okay to worship him. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to praise him. It's okay to give him glory. And I don't want Restoration Christian Fellowship to be guilty of not being on mission with God and doing what God has purposed and called us to do. Can, can I say that this morning? It's, it's very, very important to me. I want us to kind of I want us to stay there. There used to be a time when the church was not so internally focused. It was a lot more externally focused. And um, at least in the church, the, when, when I first came to the United States, it was called Grace Temple Missionary Baptist Church that I went to. And in that church, um, after service, you would say, enter to worship and depart to serve. Some of y'all might remember that, right? And you would leave the church and put into practice what we learned internally but my concern now is that Christianity and churches in general have become so internalized that we spend the majority of our time on the inside and we think everything is about those on the inside and we forget those on the outside. Are you with me? And, and so, so to find an externally focused church is extremely difficult in this day and age. I mean, we're good. We're good at good programs. We have good annual days. We have good musicals. We have good chitling slings. We have good, you know, <laughs> we have yeah, fish fries. You know, come on. I mean, we 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 we're good at programming. We're good at programming, but we're very weak on working with God. Are you with me? Yeah, we're very, very weak on working with God. And, and if you've been here on Wednesday night, I've shared my testimony a couple of times. There used to be a time when I had a different fire and a different zeal and a different zest for God. And um, yesterday I was preparing for my message. Um, well, all week I've been preparing for but yesterday I was on my way back and I was on this airplane. And we had to fly from Tucson to Delta all the way back to Denver. And I kid you not, every... Um, time I boarded the plane, the first thing I did was put on my noise-canceling headphone and hit the button so they could see the green light on, meaning that I don't want to hear no noise, don't talk to me. Um, when there used to be a time I would crave sitting next to a person so I could have opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Some, some switch has gone off in me that it's not like it used to be. And I think God is calling the church to rekindle the flame and get back to the place. Yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing. The world is dying and going to hell. And if we, and, 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 and we're praying for God to save the world when we are the ones that God has left behind to work for him and to work with him in winning the loss. 
Can I say that this morning? And, and so here's the problem. We are so, we're so ill-equipped. We're so, I mean, we don't spend time teaching people how to evangelize anymore. We don't spend time teaching people how to share their faith. We don't spend time how, doing that, and we wonder what's going wrong. I, on, on my way home, I passed by, I think it's, it's, uh, uh, um, it's a, what's it? not Seventh-day Adventist. It's the Jehovah's Witness. It's the Jehovah's Witness Temple. And I kid you not. Um, every Saturday when they have their conventions, you can't get into the parking lot. And um, their stuff starts like probably 8 in the morning and 6 at night, not a car has left. Try that in Christianity. Girl, I got to watch the game. <laughs> he just talking too much. <laughs> and we wonder why when they come to our doors... We're ill-equipped because they spend the majority of the time preparing themselves on how to share their faith while we're so busy singing good songs that we don't want to spend time in the presence of God knowing about the God we serve so we feel ill-equipped so we don't tell nobody about Jesus. A shift needs to happen. So for the month of July, I want to take a little bit of a focus and maybe for all of summer, I don't know how long God says, but I want to talk about breakout evangelism. I want to talk about uh, why we do what we do and getting to the place where God would have us to go because I think that's very, very important that we not miss that. Oh, that's not going to work, is it? Yeah, there's words on the screen while I'm doing that. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. All is well. We'll just work through it and get to where we need to go. It's good. So do me a favor. Open your Bibles to the book of Luke. I want to begin a passage in I am going to work through this and talk through this and allow God just to kind of lead and we're going to see what he's saying and um, just move to where God would have us to go. So I just, the first seven verses of the book of Luke that I, of chapter 15, and then we're going to deal with chapter 15 um, in its entirety over the upcoming weeks. Um, and we're going to work through and talk through that. Okay, good. Okay. Now, before I read the passage, I want you all to see this because this big idea is very, very important for the week. Um, the repentance of others must be met with, what's the word say? Joy, Joy and what? We don't get that. So here's, and please, I'm not making fun of anybody. I just want us to see how skewed we are. We get more joy and celebration from a good song. than we do from a person being saved. I don't think Jesus is moved with the tonality of our voices. Jesus is not moved with the skill of our musicianship. Jesus is not moved with the eloquence of our messages. Jesus is not moved with the depth and the rhythmic or poetic nature of our prayers. Jesus is not moved with the beauty of our liturgical dances. Let me tell you why that doesn't move him. Because none of us on earth can do it as good as they do it in heaven. <laughs> yeah, you, don't, don't, you can't play like David. <laughs> Come on, y'all. We can't, we can't dance like some of the angels. But let me tell you what's not in heaven. Unsafe folk. 
And so what moves heaven is when a person comes to relationship with God, man, I'm telling you, that moves heaven. I want you all to hear me this morning. It moves heaven. Now, please understand, I'm not saying don't dance. I'm not saying don't sing. Please do that because we need that. It, it motivates us. It helps us. Come on, y'all. It's, it's for us, and, and God, God likes it. So I'm not saying that he hates it, but I am saying what he is ultimately excited about is the salvation of a person coming to relationship. And I want to just look at it on a surface level to this morning as we lay a foundation to go through this. So look with me at Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to walk through this so we can kind of hear what God is saying. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and I'm in the ESV, and the Pharisees and the scribe grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. And so he told them this parable, what man of you? Having a hundred sheep, if you have lost one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go off to, after the one that is lost until he finds it? Verse 5 says, and when he had found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. And when he come, had comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Look at verse 7. Just so verse 7 says, I tell you that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous person who needs what? No repent. Man, that is some crazy stuff. There it says, I'm going to leave that alone. There is there. Look at verse 7 again. There is, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous person who needs what? No repentance. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor, have you seen my sheep? Yeah, turn to the other neighbor. Say, other neighbor, have you seen my sheep? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I want to talk about that just, just for a moment as we kind of walk through this to get to where God would have us to go. And you can put the next slide. It seems like they can track with me better back there. Just move to the next one. Here's, here's the thing I want us to kind of walk through as we move through this to, to stay in track with me so we can, we can hear this. Okay. Jesus' focus is, in ministry is not pursuing, thank you, the saved, but the lost and those in need of a Savior. I want us all to get that, okay? Um, I'm going to correct some things. Uh, well, at least one thing. Let me just put it this one way. One misconception that the church has, because where we hear this passage quoted the most is inside the church and not outside, okay? And I'm afraid to say that when we quote it inside the church, we even use it in the church in the wrong context. Okay, and so here's what we do, and we place unnecessary burdens on the pastor or the elders for chasing sheep that ain't got no business being lost in the first place, <laughs> and, and then say, see, 
that's not a loving church. That's not a whatever church because you should have left the 99 and gone after them. Well, heck, if you were unsaved, yes. But the fact that you're saved, this ain't about you. <laughs> Out of context, right? So let's, let's talk. Let's talk through the text. I'm going to read it carefully. But it's very, very important that we understand Jesus' focus in ministry is not pursuing the saved, but the lost and those in need of our saving. The reason that's paramount is because church growth nowadays is hinges or it's predicated on the fact that people get tired of a church and they swap churches, right? So all we have is a bunch of fishes swapping ponds or swapping fish bowls or sheep swapping, you know, Pastures, thank you. That's a good word. I couldn't find the word. And, and that's not what Jesus is all about. Okay, the kingdom of God is broader than our local church. It's very, very important. So the focus of God, as we kind of go through the text, is not so much pursuing saved people. He wants to disciple saved people, but he pursues lost people to bring them into a relationship with God. And if this church is going to grow, if we're going to be about the Father's business, we need to be like Jesus in doing what it is that God has called us to do, pursuing the lost. So our framework ought to be going after the sheep that belongs to God that's not in the sheepfold or in the pasture. Does that statement make sense? So let me read, let me read with you, and I want to show you some things in the text as we kind of walk through this, okay? Now, notice how verse 15 begins. Verse 15, um, I mean, verse 1 of chapter 15 opens up like this. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Notice what verse 2 says. And the Pharisees and the scribe grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Okay, now, now I'm going to say some crazy things this morning, but I need you all to grace me, okay? And let me tell you what I mean by grace me. Don't, don't, don't form an opinion of me. Don't tell me I'm going to hell. Don't do none of that stuff yet. Hear me out. All right? Hear me out. Now, notice, look at the verses. Let's walk through the verses. It opened up by saying, the tax collectors and the sinners were doing what? Drawing near to who? Very, very important statement as we kind of walk through um, to, to, to look at this passage in front of us because here's what the text is saying. The tax collectors and the sinners back in that day were not nice Christian people, okay? Tax collectors were reprehensible. They were hated by the masses. They were not, they cheated, they lied. They didn't do things that were ethical because the way the Roman tax would work is that you set the, the rate and you would collect taxes, keep some for yourself, give some to Caesar. So what was happening with tax collectors is that they were pretty much taking advantage of those who did not have. So by virtue of the fact that you were a tax collector, it labeled you an outcast. Now, it says not only were the tax collectors being drawn to him, but the sinners as well were being drawn to him. Now, the, the word sinner can mean what it means. Sinners are sinners are sinners are sinners. Now, these are not converted people saved by grace. These are folk that no grace have been applied to their life. You guys are tracking with me. Okay, the liars and the prostitutes and the whoremongers and, and those with, with, with leprosy and those with all kinds of sins were going on. So the, the thing that strikes me about this opening verse of chapter 15 is it says, here is Jesus, this holy, righteous, saved, magnificent God incarnated in the flesh, 
Yet he comes into the earth realm and the people that are attracted to him are not the church people. I need to wrestle with that just for a little while before I move into the text because for some reason our framework, our theology has been shaped such that that church people want to hang out with church people and unsafe people don't want to have nothing to do with church people. What's wrong with the picture when I read verse 15, the type of people that were attracted to Jesus, come on, I wish I had Somebody in here was not the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious sect, but it was the sinners and the tax collectors and the publicans and all the people that today as a church, we would say this, come out from among them, you should have no part of them. And so here's what we do as church people. We only go to church stuff. We only go to church stuff to hang out with church people, and then we, we, we try to dress it up by saying, well, heck, when I go to work, I'm in the world enough. That's enough world for me. <laughs> and when the world see us, they, they, they call us hypocrites. They call us all kinds of names, and they're not attracted to us. And I'm standing before you to say this morning that something is very wrong with that picture and we need to switch it because church people should not be attracting church people. They should be attracting unsafe people, come on, to get them into a relationship with God. Because heaven doesn't celebrate when you go to church and have a good church service. Heaven celebrates when an unsafe person comes to a relationship with God. So Jesus was weird. Here's what they said about him. He hangs out with sinners and publicans. Look at the text. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And then watch verse 2. The Pharisees and the scribes. These were the religious sect. They did what? They grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Had to do a little bit of work on the word receive and the word eat. So, so I don't mess the text up. Here's what receive meant. That when Jesus would walk the streets of Galilee, it wasn't nothing for a sinner to say, hey, gee, what's up? And they'd go give him some dap, a brotherly hug, and they'd have a conversation. Not what receives mean that the world had access to him. Access to him. Okay? Now, the word eat is going to mess you up. Because what's, what's, what they're really saying back in that day and age, you didn't just, it didn't mean that he went to Chick-fil-A and ordered a chicken sandwich. It doesn't mean that he went to Burger King and ordered uh, a burger his way and, and sat at the table in Burger King. What it meant, that word eat in that culture meant fellowship. They invited him to their houses. Let me go here, because this is where I don't want y'all to stereotype me. They invited him to their weddings. Fellowship. They invited him to their parties. Fell oh, y'all done got quiet. <laughs> they invited him to their beer parties. 
I've lost all y'all now. <laughs> if somebody was playing at Jazz at Jacks, Jesus would be there. If there was a festival in the park or something, Jesus would be there. If there was a wedding that they had, you know, the latest, <laughs> Jesus would be there. Now, I know this is shocking to a lot of the holy people. I know this is so shocking, okay? I, 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 so I just need to do this because I'm setting the text up, okay? <laughs> I mean, really, really, really. Matter of fact, don't, don't, forget, don't forget the wedding that he went to that they ran out of the good stuff. Yeah, don't, don't, forget, don't, don't forget that, okay? Don't, don't forget that. Don't forget the fight that the scribes and the Pharisees had with him is that he wouldn't go to church and sit in the pulpit, but instead he would go to the home of Zacchaeus. Don't, 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 don't forget that. And Zacchaeus was no poor person, so when Zacchaeus threw a feast, it wasn't a bunch of church people. Matter of fact, I think I'm comfortable in saying Jesus was probably the only religious person at Zacchaeus' house at that party because Zacchaeus didn't know none. He was unsaved. If you were to, come on, I want y'all to track with me. The, the, the the wedding processions and wherever you find him on the Monday through Friday was never in a religious setting. He was where the need was. But man, man, now I'm not telling y'all going over to cash bar and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But I am saying if we're going to go fishing, we should fish where the fish are at. I am saying that. I am saying that. Are you with me? And I, I think I'm comfortable in saying if, if you're securing your salvation and in your walk with God, going there doesn't make or break you. You stay saved. You're there to do what God... I want. I, y'all, please come back. Don't, don't, don't ask me stuff Wednesday, okay? I'm going to give you my theological framework, but I just want to look at Jesus. It says here, verse 15, the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing. Drawing. He was attractional. Now listen to this. Attractional without compromisation. Jesus never compromised. He'd draw you to him, and with the next breath, he'd say, you can come, but you better stop shacking up. He'd say that. He'd say, oh, you can come, but, but, but you can't like another dude and you a dude. He'd say, you can come, but you need to stop. Come on, are you with me? And, and, and matter of fact, he, he put it so well, he, he, he said, I'll even go where you're at. But, but listen, when I come, I'm coming to change, not to say it's okay. I want y'all to hear what I'm saying, okay? But, but he was not afraid to make a presence because he understood that he was on mission with God. Matter of fact, he puts it this way in Scripture in the book of Luke. He said, I didn't come for the well, but I came for the sick and to bring sinners into repentance. He puts it this way, the righteous have no need of a Savior because they're already saved. Come on. But the unsaved seed needs me. He puts it this way in Luke 19 and 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And what the problem with the church today is we're trying to restrict Jesus to the inside perimeters of the church and stop him from going out where he really needs to be. We wonder why we're not reaching the world. We wonder why we're not reaching the world. We wonder why we're not reaching to the world. We're too righteous. 
and we're not like Jesus. We're not like Jesus. We're not like Jesus. So he puts it this way. He says, verse 2, the scribes and the Pharisees says, they grumble. This man receives sinners and he eats with them. And look at verse 3a. So he told them this parable. Y'all hit the next slide if you can do that. I'm running out of time. I want to do this real quick. Notice what he says. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, he says, does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he won? So, so don't miss this. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost? For how long? Until he won? Very, 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 very important that you not miss this. I don't know if, if that's going to work. Let me just try this. I want y'all just to see these things so we can kind of move with me. Okay, now look into this real quick. As human beings, we belong to God. So when lost, he searches and he pursues, pursues diligently for how long? For how long? Very, 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 very important statement, okay? Now, now let, me, let me lay some theological premise. David says it this way in the book of Psalm, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof of it and the world and all who dwells therein. The church is not the only something or only group of people that belong to God. The world belongs to God. The problem with the world and belonging to God is that in the book of Genesis, specifically chapter 3, when sin entered the garden, man lost fellowship with God. So God now is on mission to redeem men or to bring them back into relationship to reestablish fellowship with him. Okay? So here's how one writer puts it in the New Testament. The Lord is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, okay? So he is on mission to save every person on the face of the earth to bring them into relationship with him. Very, very important. Very, very important that we not miss this. So here's what he's saying to the scribes and the Pharisees who were asking him, Lord, why are you spending so much time in the places where the sinners and the publicans are? Here's what he says to them. I'm looking for something. How come you don't hang out with us? I've already found you. Oh, I wish I had. I wish I had. I wish I had. So, so it's important that we understand that, that the earth belongs to God, and so he searches diligently for everything that belongs to him. Very, very, very important. Now, you may wonder. Now, this is a very, very important statement that I'm about to make, uh, and I want to kind of press through this so we can kind of talk through this. You may say to me, okay, preacher, tell me a little bit. If the world belongs to him, why then is he saying that only one sheep was lost in this parable? He's trying to tell these Pharisees and scribes an illustration of a parable to say that the reason I'm here, and if I'm willing to leave 99, he's, he's magnifying or amplifying the extent that he's willing to go to to grab a hold of one lost person, okay? He's trying to get them the extent. So you might ask me, how then do you categorize a person as being lost? This is very, very important, okay? The sheep was lost with respect to its relationship of the location of the master, 
this way. He's in the wilderness. A hundred sheep, he says. And he's counting as they come into the sheepfold. One, two, three, four, five, 21, 22. I've got to hurry up. 23, 24, 61, 62, 63, 97, 98, 99. And he noticed one's missing. The reason it was missing is because when the roll was called and the count was made, 97, 98, 99, the sheep, where it was, its perspective was not based on the presence of the master. Okay? Now, the reason I want to press this thing home is because as believers in Christ, the presence of the master is not something I can divorce myself from. Did y'all get that? So, so let me tell you what that means. If I'm here, the master's here. If I'm here, master's here. Y'all tracking with me? If I'm, if I'm here, the master's here. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because the master's not external to me. He is, yeah, yeah. Y'all get it, yeah. Unsafe folk. They can't go and take the master with them because he's not. Yeah, y'all getting it. Y'all some deep people. There you go. You kind of get what I'm saying. So the parable does not apply to church people. <laughs> that want to blame folk for not coming after them and trying. No, no, no. You've already got the master yeah, y'all, they help me preach this, y'all. You've already got him in you, so loss does not apply to you. I wish I had somebody. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't, it's literally impossible for me to be lost with the master on the inside because he walks, come on, y'all know the hymn, he walks with me, he, he talks with me, he guides me, he tells me I am my own. So if I call myself lost, it's not that I'm lost, it's just that I have stopped listening to the master and I'm doing my own, oh, I wish I had somebody in here and I'm doing my own thing and I want to blame somebody else for me not listening. You can't get lost. So nobody come looking for you. You need to listen. <laughs> the unsaved, though, they ain't got no choice. So the unsaved, they can walk and nibble and nibble and walk. And they can walk and nibble and nibble and walk. And then they're walking and nibbling and nibbling and walking they can look up, and the church doesn't move. Didn't y'all used to be? Because to them, they need the church for God. I wish I had somebody because they don't have the church. It, yeah, y'all getting it. Yeah, you're finally, you're finally, you're finally getting it. You kind of get what I'm saying? So, so the text is, the text is, Jesus is trying to drive the point home that I'm counting. I made the roll that I'm counting, 97, 98, 99, and I am going to spare no expense. So contextually, he probably left the remaining sheep out in the pasture. Look at the details of the text with another shepherd who probably had his own hundred sheep. And they're saying they weren't rich people because a typical shepherd would have over three to four hundred sheep in their pasture. So Num I mean, 100 is a menial number. Hey, man, can you oversee this? Let me go do that. 
and he leaves it here, and he goes and he does that. That's a whole other message there because some of us can't entrust God's folk to other folk because we think we're the only one that can. That's, 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 that's a whole other message, whole other message, whole other message. He leaves it and he goes out. And he says all over the place, have you seen my sheep? Have you seen my sheep? And I'm done. But what I like about the text, it says he doesn't stop searching until he finds it. I don't know about your testimony, but my testimony is he never stopped searching until he found And what I like about the fact that he never stopped searching until he found me, what I was doing didn't call off the search. <laughs> oh, I wish I had somebody in here. Oh, I need somebody in here. What I was doing did not call off the search. He kept looking. He kept looking in my foolishness, in my sin, in my lying, in my drugs, in my adultery, in my fornication, in all of it. It never calls the search off. He kept coming. He kept coming. He kept coming. And he kept coming. Oh, I need a witness in here that thank God that he didn't call the search off. He didn't call it off. He didn't call it off. But man, you and I, we so holy. Oh, I can't go in there. It'll mess with my anointment. I can't. Oh, bunch of sinners up in there. I think if you're looking for sinner sheep, you should go where a sinner sheep. Yeah. Man, what you doing up in here? Some of y'all up in here belong to Jesus. I can't even find you. He didn't call the search off. And I'm telling you, I can't release that because somebody in here ought to thank God for that. That he did not. And watch the imagery. And watch the imagery and I'm done. When he found the sheep, he takes it by its legs. The two front and the two back. And he puts it on his shoulder. And he brings it home. Now the reason I love the imagery so much is that with the legs and the front feet in the arms of Jesus, sheep can't go. Yeah, I wish I had. I wish I had. I wish, yeah. The, the sheep, the sheep, they're stuck in the arms of Jesus. My problem is I want to wiggle my way out. Your problem is you want, release me, Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 no. I've got you in my hands. And I put my hands in my father's hand. And no demon in hell can snatch you out of, I wish I had somebody in here. Because the sheep belongs to me. And I have found my sheep that was lost. And so the text concludes with the big idea. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. 
Look at verse 7. It concludes with the big idea. You guys are there? Notice what the big idea is. Just so there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents more than the 99 righteous who need the reason there's more celebration over a newfound sheep is because Jesus' neck is already filled with a whole lot of sheep that he already found. And you done had, excuse the grammar, your party in heaven. Now it's time for somebody else. <laughs> so, so I'm saying that to say, church, we ought to be so vigorous to be on mission with God that now that we're finding out what makes heaven happy, we ought to be about the Father's business. Have you seen my sheep? Have you seen God's sheep? I'm on mission with God, and I am on mission with him to reclaim those that belong to him, to bring them into a right relationship with him. My prayer for us as we talk about breakout, I'm not so interested in folk swapping churches I want to see what we saw this morning. I want to see one Sunday morning we can't even have service because ain't nothing but a heavenly party. Because the line is so long from sheep that have been brought back home. Are you with me? That's the celebration. That's why we do what we do. So he gives these three parables, and I'm done, the sheep, the coin, and the boy. And we've been hearing these for years, but we've never put it in context. Why did he say this? Because I came to seek and to save the lost. That's why the church exists. It's to be Christ in the earth. And, and this is going to blow you away in John. John, he says it this way. Come on, worship team, and I'm done. He says it this way in John. The things that you see me do, greater than these shall you do. We've attached prosperity to that, and we've made that a prosperous statement. Well, it was one of him. Y'all going to get this. It's a plethora of us. It was one Jesus. The church is filled with a million Jesuses that he resides within, and he expects us to work with him in bringing sinners into a relationship with him. My prayer, my purpose statement this morning is that we will rekindle the flame and get on fire with God in reaching the lost. It's all about the lost. It's all about the lost. And our prayer ought to be, God, light us on fire. <sighs> light us on fire. Light us on fire. So I want to do two things this morning as we close. If you're like me, a prayer of repentance, saying, God, forgive me for missing the purpose. That everything I do should be attractional. I should attract the sinners. I should attract them that they want to hang out with me. And when they meet me, I don't compromise. I don't compromise. But I'm loving enough that I'm non-threatening and people are coming to a relationship. So forgive me, God, for being so Pharisaic. 
looking at my own righteousness, saying what I can and can't do. Forgive me, Lord. And then if there's one here that's saying, you know, I'm, I'm not lost sheep. I haven't been, God's been knocking on my door. He's been pursuing. And he's been using calamity to get my attention. It could be sickness. It could be finances. It could be death. It could be whatever. It could be whatever the struggle is. He could be using that to draw you because Revelation still says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I'm going to come in and sup with him. If that's you this morning, I want you to come. I want you to come. We want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate with you that sheep has come back home. Don't be embarrassed. Don't worry about who's looking at you. Don't worry about who's saying what. Allow God to be God. So believers, I need you praying this morning that God would draw. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Touch a life. Touch a person. Reclaim, rekindle. Refocus this ministry, God, on its intent that we would be who you would have us to be. Do God, Lord. Move in this place, Lord. Thank you for you, God. In your name we pray. Let's all stand to our feet as our minister.